Welcome to Shed Life. Welcome, Shane. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on to Into the Shed. That's all right. No problem. <laughs> all right. So um, let's start at the beginning. So you've always been into boxing, right? Um, but kind of your passion, knowledge, and maybe skill set, of course, for an increase in training and stuff like that, it's kind of exponentially increased since your spell at training at Fitzpatrick's boxing gym uh, down in Swindon. Um, can you walk us through that experience? Um, yeah, I mean, if, I mean, if we start at the beginning, boxing is a, a sport which I, would, I always loved from ever since I can remember. And then it became kind of an addiction after watching uh, Joe Calzaghe beat Jeff Lacey. Um, I remember the week of the build-up and it was all on ITV at the time and it was just gripping. Uh, and then a few years after that, I always wanted to try it. And then I kind of had the guts to actually walk in a gym and try it. And ever since then, it just, yeah, it, it just, like you said, it in, increased that addiction in terms mm. of interest as well, because actually competing and training has always been up and down just because of life. But, sure. you know, it was, yeah, it was definitely, definitely watching that fight, which triggered the push to try it, you know? Mm. No, oh, fair enough. Um, so Fitzpatrick's boxing gym in Swindas, um, I guess in a, I mean internationally and more domestically, it's quite a famous gym. If you know your boxing, I'm assuming, which I kind of learned from from uh, speaking to you. What were the kind of uh, first of all the coaches around there like, and um, even some of the other guys you were training with? Like, because I'm 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 right in saying some of them have gone on to become pros, right? Yeah, I mean at the time, so so basically. I was working in Swindon and someone who I worked with had trained there and we both liked our boxing. So he said to me, why don't you come and try it out? So I did. And at the time, I think it had just been around for a couple of years because Paddy had moved back from America, I think. Um, so it was still quite new. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember vividly Jamie Cox was training there who at the time, he looked sensational, you know, absolutely sensational. Um, I'm sure he's still fighting. I'm not sure what weight at the moment. But then you looked at him as kind of an aspiration. Um, there was other pros there. Names I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the coaches, they, they, they were really good because they just treat everyone the same. They welcomed you in with open arms. Mm. And he would talk to you exactly the way he talked to the pros. And the training we did was very similar to the way he would teach the pros as well. So I think that's the main thing for any person who's interested in getting involved in boxing. Make sure you go to a gym where the training is on the fundamentals and the basics. Because without the fundamentals and the basics, mm -hmm. you can't then thrive and be more spontaneous in the ring. You know? mm. So, you know, your footwork, your jab, head movement, balance. It's all well and good looking at flashy fighters like Naz or... Floyd in his early days or whoever yeah but, with, but they all have those basics you know yeah fair enough um so going back to the coach's uh, point of view especially well Paddy and maybe his other sort of uh, coaches with him what was kind of the the differentials between a fighter training for a pro fight in camp or something with Paddy at that gym or with one of the other coaches as opposed to the amateur side or the beginner level side 
was it quite integrated or was it completely separate? It depends. I mean, when you're in camp, from observations, obviously not, not from personal experience, but the time spent is a lot more intense because there's a lot more one-to-one. Um, it's usually not in a group situation, but sometimes I remember when we were going in for our evening sessions, which mm. would be in a big group with the amateurs and whatever, then Jamie would be finishing up or some of the other pros would be finishing up and they, they might even watch or give some tips or whatever. Um, so yeah, I just say it depends. It depends. I, I think it depends on each gym. It depends on each trainer. It even depends on each fighter. Some fighters like that, they have that kind of element of privacy. Others like to be in a group environment, you know? Yeah, fair enough. And then obviously with sparring and stuff, that's usually kept behind closed doors from, from what I understand. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, so, all right, one more question about that gym. So, Paddy is probably most of the um, most of the fa- fighting fans will remember he was in Groves' corner for the second fight against Carl Froch, the one at Wembley. Um, were you around around the gym at that time? So, I went back a few years after I'd left Swindon for a little bit, and I remember seeing George there a few times and them working together. Nice. Um, and I remember seeing George Shadowbox and. It was honestly, it was amazing to watch. Because, sure. like, yeah, that's when you know. That's when you know the difference between a top level pro and a good club fighter, or prospect, or something. good amateur, or mm. even even a, a you know mid level pro. Yeah, the way he the way he shadow boxed his focus, his concentration, the way he flowed. Um, and I remember Paddy would just watch him as well, watch his movements, just give him little tips. Uh, so I wasn't kind of there per se. But yeah, I was lucky enough to kind of see bits of it in passing only only a handful of times yeah. you know? but you got to witness that experience at least like yeah, a few and, times. And, yeah and he was very friendly he spoke to me and yeah it was i remember the week of the fight i think i spent a bit of time with paddy as well so we would just you know we were talking about life mostly but mm. we would obviously touch on the fight because it's a huge huge fight and it was just very it was very intense but also very interesting um experience that's quite interesting. What what was um, uh, Paddy's mindset around that? Because the fact that you talked to him that week, like one of the biggest fights in British boxing at the time, probably the biggest, right, in terms of gate. Um, what was his kind of uh, attitude and feeling, uh, his general persona? Because surely he must have been a bit nervous as well, right? No, he's he's <laughs> he's the most chilled man I've ever met. He's so re- he was so relaxed uh, by that I don't mean blase he was still extremely focused and extremely on top of what needed to be done yeah um, but his demeanour never shows nerves you know so yeah and, and I think George was the same I think a lot of people in, I remember I remember the week of the fight or both fights the media were saying of how relaxed he was you know so yeah I wouldn't say that I couldn't see any nerves but again I was there you know a handful of times nothing not, not not at all kind of constantly so. no fair enough all right so moving on then um how do you feel boxing has sort of changed over let's say the past decade in particular let's talk about british boxing i mean the main the main thing that's changed would be eddie hand and sky sports you know since they've become a player and a dominance if you like in british boxing it's it's completely elevated this it's completely elevated the sport, especially domestically. And you see worldwide people want to come and fight here as opposed to before everyone had this perception that you have to go and fight in America, you know. So the money the money's here now. 
for a lot for a lot of the fights. Obviously, Vegas and all that is still huge, but I think that's the biggest thing. Um, also, the sport has just risen and risen in the UK, which means the fighters have more resources. There's more gyms, more sparring, more top level sparring, and that's probably down to the success of the amateurs as well because the GB squad have done really well over the last 10 years as well, haven't they? Mm. So that's probably given them the funding, which has then created better pros as well. I mean, if you look at 10 years, I, I, I couldn't even name all the world champions, whereas probably 10 years before, you could name all the world champions who've come from Britain, yeah? Yeah, so there's that many, basically, is what you're saying. But is there anything in particular that you can put your finger on as to what maybe um, Matchroom have done, Eddie Heard in particular, obviously, with Sky, is it just TV deals that he's managed to accumulate and picking the best fighters from Olympics, or is there anything in particular he's doing, who he's doing, or has done differently to other promoters around the world, which has maybe elevated British boxing over the last decade? Um, I don't know. I would say, obviously, the way he puts on his shows, there, there's the entertainment aspect, you know. Right. And then, I. I yeah, I mean, Eddie Hearn is a brilliant salesman, right? Mm. He's an excellent salesman. He talks well. I remember the Hay Harrison fight. He talked that fight up so much and it just sold so well. Yeah. Whereas everyone in, everyone who knew David Hay and David Hay was just like, this is not a legitimate fight. It's a mismatch. But because they talked up so much, it's become a big thing in the UK. So I think the way he sells his fighters is impeccable from what I can see from the outside, just through watching the news and stuff, it seems like he pays them what they're deserved. Mm. So they all, a lot of them seem happy. You've, you've seen it recently because a lot of fighters who left him then have come back to him. Um, Josh, I think Josh Warrington's one. Was Billy Joe one? Or was he never well, with Billy, Yeah, Billy Joe was with Frank Warren and he's come to Matchroom. Obviously in the early days, Carl Frotch, Tony mm. Bellew, Cal Brook. No, wait, where did Beltley Bellew go? Well, I thought he was always... Was he not always with Eddie? No, I'm pretty sure he started with Frank Warren and then he moved to... Ah, yeah. Perfect. So he must be doing something right on that scale. But yeah. I think the way he markets his fighters, um, the way he sells fights, and a lot of shows he puts on are legitimately strong shows, you know? That's a really good point. A lot aren't. And yeah. that's not just him, that's his boxing. But a lot are, you know? I mean, we've seen quite a few shows together where the third kind of undercard fight is a 50-50, you know? Mm. So. That is true. I've seen a lot of good shows where you could watch the whole thing from start to finish, maybe, um, you know, where there's no crowd or anything, but it's still a good show. In the, the boxes, then you start to realise and maybe start following their careers a bit. But, yeah. I also think he, he does something a bit more innovative um, in line with social media. He's done a lot of things like podcasts, a lot of social media uh, discussions and things like that which gets his name out there, which then pe make people want to follow him and his shows as well, especially recently. And he's, I, you he's, don't... he's ridden, ridden the wave, hasn't he, mm. on social media. Yeah. But that, that goes back to the marketing. He's a genius with that, so. Yeah, fair play. All right. Um, going back to something you touched upon uh, at the start, um, you mentioned any sort of young people thinking about getting into sport boxing and you said you kind of touched on how they need to be choosing the right gym and the right trainer, perhaps. What other things do you think they need to be looking to do from their own perspective to help elevate them, 
in comparison to everyone else? Like this is whether it's in the gym, uh, in the gym, outside the gym, what things should they be focusing on most as opposed to just having a, a vision of, oh, I want to be, I want to emulate Floyd or I want to emulate Joshua. You know what I mean? People like that. What should they be doing? Like what's the right kind of things to be doing at that stage in your opinion? I mean, choosing a trainer is probably something a bit later down, down the line. Uh, initially, most people who get into boxing will pick somewhere that suits them logistically. So somewhere that's local. Mm. Most amateur clubs, I'm sure, are very warm. They're very welcoming. I'm sure people, I'm sure the kids are looked after. But obviously, that's the main thing from that age. Yeah. And then as you get a bit older and if, as you start to take it seriously, you need to take some responsibility outside of the gym. So, you know, you need to eat well, you need to do your run, um, you need to do your kind of any sort of other cardio, get your sleep and all that sort of thing. So in that sense, that's why boxing is so special because, yeah, you need people around you to help, but it's also very individual. Like, if you're not doing what you should be doing outside of the gym, then it will show at some point, mm. you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's interesting, man. What, what, what is the major sort of disparities would you say between? Because not many people would follow amateur boxing unless they're watching, you know, a, a, a few a tournament on the Olympics or something. But they don't. They might. They might watch pro fights and think, oh yeah, I want to get to this level. But I've heard from people, even yourself, say there's a there's a vast difference between amateur boxing and professional. But that's kind of the right route to go down. I'm assuming. So what what is the kind of differences they should expect as opposed to just watching, you know, an AJ fight or you know someone on TV fight and think, yeah, I'm, I, I can do this, I can do that, all skillfully or whatnot. What should they be doing in that sense to get through the amateurs successfully, perhaps? Stick to the basics. Stick to the fundamentals. You know, if you have got a good jab, if you have got good balance, if you have got good footwork, if you move your head, if you focus on not getting hit as much as hitting, and if you listen to you the people around you and your trainers, then you're going to be a successful amateur. Mm. Obviously, if you've got the talent. The difference with the pros is obviously there's a lot more inside fighting. It's over a longer period of time. Um, but having having that base, it kind of stays with you. You know, there's a lot, when you saw it in the last AJ fight, he went, he reverted to type and but went back to jab and move, stick and mm. move, stick and move, and it worked a treat. Yeah. So if you if you get those fundamentals ingrained in you as an amateur, then you'll always have that in your locker when you're a pro. Because pro pro boxing and amateur boxing are very different. Yeah. You know, pro boxing is fighting. You know, body shots, working on the inside, breaking someone down over a long period of time. Amateur boxing, you haven't got the time to break them down. So you need to win as many rounds as you can. Oh, so it's all about clean cut points, basically. It's points, exactly. Mm. And also, I guess you could add to that list when you say pro boxing is more fighting, you can add everything that happens before a fight in terms of the marketing and build-up of a fight. It's more mind games. Yeah, because in, in the amateurs, you don't have 10 weeks to get ready for a fight. I mean, to be honest with you, in the, in the pros, most pros don't get 10 weeks anyway. Mm. But if you're talking about the elite, it's a different it's a different, it's a a different, different ball game. It's like a different sport almost. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so we, we talked about kind of the positives in terms of what's changed over the past decade with boxing. We mentioned uh, sort of British boxing and Matchroom's influence on that. What would you say the current biggest pitfalls in boxing would be today and how the sport's maybe changed over, you know, a, a few decades and whatnot? What do you think the worst thing, worst things kind of, which is still in the sport, which should be changed, which would help elevate the sport even further? Well, the worst thing in the sport is 100% PDs, right? We saw it this week or last week with Jerome Miller mm. again getting 
tested positive for a third or something time. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you solve that. I don't understand why people get away with it so many times. But that's definitely the worst thing, 100%. Um, mm. you're, already, you're already in a sport where anything can happen in terms of lives yeah. and injuries and you know brain issues and all these other things. Why would you want to increase that chance just to win the fight? Yeah. I mean, and and from, from listening to other interviews and other opinions of other people, apparently it's not, it's not uncommon, you know? Mm. So I don't know how you solve that problem, but that's definitely the worst thing. I mean, the second worst thing is some of the judging is horrendous. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't even know how you solve that. Maybe one thought would be if you can get some, if, if they would do it, if you can get some ex pros or ex top pros to actually do the judging, you'll mm. understand boxing more so than some of the judges. Yeah. It might, it might make things more fair. Um, it's a good but idea. Yeah. I mean, we've seen plenty of fights together where the scores were just so off and we were just shocked. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, I think with the, the drugs testing thing, cause you might look at certain promoters and, um, independent bodies who make it mandatory to have this sort of more stringent version of testing, right? Before fights. But that doesn't occur across the whole sport because there's money. so many. It costs money, that's why. So but, if, you, if you think of a small whole show, the promoter's putting everything into it, you then probably can't afford an extra however many thousands mm. to drug test everyone. But then shouldn't it come from a level above, like the people who are, who are licensing the fights? Yeah, it should, it should, but it's just money, isn't it? If they haven't got the money, then I don't know. Because, again, there's too many boards of control. It's like if you get done in one, let's say, talk about America, for example, one state, you can probably go to another state and get a license. Like, yeah. It should be more central and universal, isn't it? That might cut out a lot of these issues. But Teddy Atlas always says there's no, there's no overall governing body in boxing the same way there is in every other sport. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest problem. But then because it's prize fighting and each promoter and each sanction sanctioning body or belt whatever you want to call it yeah have their own rules how do you then get them all aligned to work underneath underneath one umbrella yeah that's a good it's point. an age-old problem in boxing so yeah i mean yeah that's, that's a good point all right let's get some of your thoughts on these um uh sort of postponed fights due to lockdown which are now sort of uh coming in a bit of a flurry so I think the one which is being advertised most at the moment is the Dillian White uh, Povetkin fight. Uh, let's get your thoughts on that fight exactly. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Um, I mean, Povetkin, I, I think he won a silver medal at the Olympics. And he's had a very successful pro career if you look at. I think his only losses are AJ and Klitschko. Right. Unless there's another one, which I'm forgetting. I think that's it. I think you're yeah, right. But regardless, he's had a successful career and he's shown he's only lost to the elite, the elite elite, you know. Um, he's also shown that as he's gotten older, he can still mix it with top fighters like David Price and Huey Fury. But I think Dillian will be too much for him because Dillian's improvement since the AJ loss has been, in my opinion, probably the best in boxing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if you look at the fighter he was then and you look at the fighter he is now, I mean, he's improved everything. His jab is incredible. His left hook's got better. He gets hit less. Um, he's proven he's got a chin. His balance is great. You know, he's just improved every single fight and he's had probably the best resume of fights back-to-back -back in boxing as well. The only thing I'm not sure of is uh, I read this week that he split from Mark Tibbs. Yeah. And obviously since he lost to AJ, I think he moved to Mark Tibbs straight away. So they've kind of been on this journey together of where we've just seen him improve and improve and improve and beat top fire after top fire after top fire. I mean, boy, the Parker and Rebus were the two fights that stick out. Chisora mm. um, Chisora twice. Even the second Chisora fight when it was tight and a lot of people had Chisora winning, he still had enough in the tank to finish him. Mm-hmm. But changing trainer now, like six weeks to go, five weeks to go, what is it? Yeah, something, something like that. Five weeks, no, maybe six, six weeks. weeks. I just don't know. Um, I would still favour Dillian, but Povetkin will give anyone a run for their money if they're not 100% on it, as he's proven, you know? Yeah. So I, I think Dillian will still win. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who he chooses now to train him, given the fights next month. Yeah. You know, and it's a shame they kind of split because they had such a good, they had such good results together. You know, you could see, you could see fight on fight how Dillian was improving, um, even in his physique. I mean, you looked at him; he looks like a beast now. Whereas obviously, before, um, he was always a big man, but sometimes he didn't look. Yeah, conditioned. I guess probably the best way to say it. Yeah, he could always fight. Obviously, that's given. That's similar to Chisora in some respects. Similar he's always in good Chisora, shape. Yeah, I mean, ever not since always. He's, ever since he's uh, linked up with Hay, his engine just seems to be on another level. Um, and his power seems to be more as well. Because mm. I can't remember him getting, apart from his early, at the early part of his career, he wasn't getting many knockouts in the middle part, was he? He was always known for being durable and going 12 rounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to the question, I think Dillian will still win. Um, the only question mark is how will the change of trainer affect him given the fight's only six, seven weeks away, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I think with such a... I think... And it's, and it's not even in the crowd situation. Yeah. So we're going to see... We're going to see how that's going to affect both of them. I don't think it'll affect Dillian. Uh, he's a fighting man. He could. He's always said he'll fight anywhere, anytime. And, he, and I actually believe him. Yeah. You know, he seems <laughs> to have that temperament where the crowd will spur him on, but he may not need it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like the fighters need that. You've seen in their career, they need that big fight build up in situation to rise. If it's mm -hmm. on a, if it's a fight that's hidden away or on a little show, sometimes they can't get up for it. I remember. I think it was James DeGale versus Caleb Truax. Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then you look at James DeGale when he fought Durrell on yeah. the big stage. You know, it, it's a different, it's a different level. You know, so I think Dillian will win, but the interesting thing will be to see a who his new trainer will be and b how will that affect his training, his style, the rapport between them, all that, all that. Yeah, that's true. It just seems like an unnecessary risk to take so close to the actual fight. Like, yeah, but we don't know the ins and outs. Yeah. Like, from what I read on Sky Sports, it was a logistic thing. Yeah. It didn't seem like there was a fallout or anything. No. So obviously, you've got to, you've got to bear in mind these fights have families as well. So if they can't move or if they can't go yeah. away from them or whatever, you know. Oh, plus, Dillian's been... Plus, with the coronavirus, as well, people might not want to travel as much. Yeah, exactly. So if they're doing things in different countries or even different cities, they might want to not want to move around as much, you know. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of talking about conditioning and fitness, look at following Dillian just through social media, he seemed to have been in Portugal throughout the whole of lockdown. 
which oh, is really, I didn't know which that. is a good good few months. So, and he had a boxing gym there. He had some, like his his maybe his entourage around him, but his closest people. So it looked like he was keeping in good nick. But yeah, without a trainer, you, obviously you don't know. Maybe in terms of polishing up, because it is probably one of the biggest fights of his career, one of the biggest challenges. Um, I think it's slightly closer than what I know. You're saying you you vouch. Uh, you think, Dillian will win it, but um, yeah, anything can happen in that. So, all right. So, um, looking at back at that, um, sorry, looking forward to that card, the Dillian Povetkin. We've got another fight announced this week, which is Katie Taylor Pursuit rematch. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, watching that first one, I thought it was uh, one of the best fights I've seen. Yeah, like, it was incredible, and it was so close. Not even, not even the best women's fight, just one of the best fights. Exactly, it was fantastic. Yeah, and I think I. I mean, I'm a massive Katie, Katie Taylor fan, but I still had Pursuit just winning. Just. I agree. I agree with that. You know, just, yeah. And for that reason, I think Katie Taylor's going to win and win in a style second time round. I think she's learned from that. Well, she definitely would have learned from that because she's very intelligent and she'll stick to what she does best instead of getting drawn into a fight. That's what it was. She was drawn into a brawl almost. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Correct. Which I think Pursuit done really cleverly. It suits her, right? Yeah. It was really good. No, that was a brilliant fight, and I'm really looking forward to the second one as well. I think Kate and Taylor will, will win that clearer. Mm. Yeah. All right, we're looking back uh, at some of these fights, like I said, which have been rearranged post-lockdown. Uh, one which I was looking forward to seeing was um, on a BT show, which was uh, Daniel Dubois. Oh, yeah. Joe, Joe Joyce. Joyce. Yeah, that was really... <laughs> I was genuinely like, I was intrigued really by that, that and I still am. It's yeah. been rearranged, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure of the date. But... October, I think. Okay, fair. What's your thoughts on that in terms of how do you think that would have gone or will go? It's hard to say because because Daniel Dubois has been so dominant. We don't know enough about what he's going to be like down the later rounds, you know. I mean, he looks incredible for his age. Yeah. And he fights with a composure that is beyond his years. But he's now going in against someone who has that experience yeah and that level of skill set which will definitely test him in Joe Joyce so I think if Daniel Dubois is going to win he needs to be on him early mm -hmm. because I think it's proven that as the fight goes on Joe Joyce is just relentless yeah um, he kind of suffocates he you suffocates you he, press, he, he puts on pressure it's known that he's got an incredible chin mm. I think I'm probably slightly going to lean towards Joe Joyce okay. in the later rounds to finish to stop him. Right. But even then, like again, because we haven't seen Daniel Dubois' chin been tested, we just don't know. So he might have the best chin in boxing. Just hasn't been. It just hasn't been tested. Yet. So these sorts of fights are always interesting because you can analyze them as much as you want, but there's too many unknowns. <laughs> exactly. You know. But it's just a brilliant fight, and hats off to both of them for taking it at this stage of their career. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know. But you know what? Um, yeah, I mean, I get you saying Joe Joyce. I'm not gonna lie. In terms of his style, it's not pretty. Do you know what I mean? It can be quite boring and stuff, but it's, it's effective, effective, right? Yeah. And that's fair play to him and his trainer and um, his team. Um, so there's a lot of comparisons was or was being made earlier on in his career. I don't know if they still are now with Dubois and AJ in terms of their rise, right? How would you compare the level of opponents both of them sort of faced at maybe the Dubois stage now? Because obviously he's a lot earlier. I'd say they're similar, but the thing is, you have to remember that Dubois is 21. Mm. You know, 
AJ had been an Olympic medalist, well, Olympic champion, and he was in his mid to late 20s at this stage of his career. Ah, okay. Yeah. I didn't know How old is AJ now? Is he 30? 31? I think so. He's similar to Fury, right? Possibly 30, I think. He's about, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. So I, people are making the comparison because they're similar stature and they both punch hard and they both got good fundamentals. Yeah. You know, in terms of they keep their hands up, nice one, two. You know, yeah, they're good. Both of them are very good finishers as well. Mm. But I don't think it's a fair comparison because Daniel Dubois is so young. Okay, um, he could have a world title shot now. He he wouldn't beat the champions now, but in a few years he could go on and dominate the sport. Yeah, we, we just don't know well, because he's yeah. still he's still quite young, isn't he? Exactly. I you mean, know? but he's got every single every single attribute to do it. Yeah, and also he didn't have the champion. I Charles Mine, like um, exactly David exactly uh, Anthony Joshua. Yeah, he didn't have a Charles. He's Martin. got some of the best heavyweights he, now. Some, yeah, in our generation, probably. Yeah, yeah. man, that's interesting. One. Uh, did did Dubois go to the Olympics? Why wasn't he? Was he at the Olympics? If uh, he wasn't, well, I don't know. I know. I know he, I'm sure he fought for England, and I, and I know he sparred with all the top guys. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't mm-hmm. answer that. Unless you maybe they just wanted to go pro early. Yeah, fair play. Um, all right, well, sticking with this theme, obviously, with current fights being rearranged, let's move on to another big one, a Sky Sports show. Um, one of my favorite ones I was looking forward to, actually. Um, Delboy, well, sorry, War Chisora <laughs> and uh, Alexander Usyk. Has that been rearranged? I, I don't think it's officially been rearranged, but I'm pretty sure it will uh, soon. I think they took more focus onto the Dillian because that was the, um, the early one. I think there's probably more to be gained from that based on his situation with WBC. If 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 White Vetkin's pay per view, that will be pay per view. I think it already was scheduled before, was it? wasn't oh, it? Okay, yeah, the good because that's that's the fight I'd pay to watch. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. You got, you got you got the master magician in Usyk versus just one of the most relentless fighters in Chisora. One of the best characters as well. Best characters <laughs> in boxing, you know. And he's reinvented himself nicely mm. under Hay as well. Um, and even though he is older and he's got more miles on the clock, he just looks and. It just feels like he's enjoying his boxing a lot more. And with David Hay in his corner, you know he's not cutting corners yeah. in his training, which I mean, I think he openly said he used to do. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a brilliant fight to watch. Uh, I mean, I can't go against Usyk uh, mm. just because he's so special. Yeah. But you know, if if for, if for a second he's not on it, you know that Dillian will wear him down. Dull boy. Yeah. yeah. But then. But then, sorry, did I, did I say did yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, but then, the level that Usyk's fought, I can't imagine him at all taking his eye off the ball either. Mm. So that's why I'm quite confident he'll get the job done. Um, in terms of who I want to win, I don't mind. I like both fights. But I just think Usyk will do the job. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's an intriguing one. I mean, if you look back at Usyk, Usyk's, um, his first fight heavyweight, obviously he won, but he wasn't, it wasn't out, like overly um, outstanding, if that makes sense. It seemed like it was an adjustment kind of fight, wasn't it? Like his power seemed to be, I think, the biggest thing that people picked out. Yeah, as but the thing is, that always happens when people move up. I mean, when David Hay moved up to heavyweight, I think he fought Monty Barrett, who, I mean, you know, it's a similar sort of fight. It's mm. just getting used to the weight. Um, I can't remember who Holyfield fought when he moved up. Um, but it's natural to have these sort of feeler fights just to get used to the weight of it. Yeah, I mean, it happens even in the in, in the lighter divisions as well. It's just less evident because you don't really knock people out as much as in the heavyweight division. Yeah, maybe, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but Usyk's first fight in heavyweight, I'm sure it was cancelled and then rearranged. So he, he had a change of opponent as well. Ah, uh, fair enough. I'm pretty sure that happened. Mm. That might be right, actually. But he was a monster at cruiserweight, wasn't he? Yeah. Mate, is Tony, it... I still remember his Bellew fight. That was a brilliant fight. And yeah. Tony Bellew did so well for, you know, the first few rounds. And then... Yeah, that is you, true. You could see that that level of concentration he was having to pursue was taking a toll on his fatigue as well. Yeah. And then Usyk broke him down, you know? Yeah, he was mentally drained as well, wasn't it? Because yeah. trying to follow that footwork as well around the ring for like 12 rounds. That's, yeah, exactly. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be taxing. Um, mate, Gassiev, am I right in saying Gassiev moved up to heavyweight as well? Yeah, he did, yeah. Wouldn't that be a sick fight, do you reckon? Definitely. Uh, yeah. Rematch, am I right? Yeah, was I, know, that I, know, I know Gassiev didn't perform against Usyk in the first fight, but he's mm. still the top fighter. Mm. Um, I mean, Gassiev versus someone like Chisora would be a brilliant fight. Yeah, you know, that would be a really good fight. But yeah, I don't, I don't know who Gassiev has fought a heavyweight so far. I know he's with Abel Sanchez, um, but I don't know, I don't know what what that kind of direction they're going in with his career. Yeah. No, fair enough. All right, let's move on to um, uh, Canelo. I mean, before lockdown, I think Billy Joe Saunders was probably the closest to um, be getting that fight against Canelo. Uh, since then, I think we've heard that fight has probably been cancelled or it's, it's no longer on. And there's other, obviously, opponents waiting in the wings. Um, well, who do you first of all think would give him the most trouble? And what, secondly, who do you think would actually be the best fight generally for the public to watch against Canelo? Well, I was looking forward to Billy Joe Canelo, to be honest with you. Um, so it's a real shame itself. Um, I think with Billy Joe... And his footwork, um, being a southpaw, he's very slick. I think it would have been a really good fight. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as a fan, I was quite disappointed. He he pulled, well, it's perceived he pulled himself out for every reason. I'm sure he had legitimate reason. You yeah, know? he's a fighting man as well. He wouldn't he wouldn't say no for no, for no good reason. But yeah, it's just as a fan, I was disappointed. Then, I mean, I remember watching Billy Joe against David Lemieux, and he looked like Superman. Yeah, you know. And I really thought from that, from then, his career would just would just fly and get the big fights, but it just seemed to have constantly gone up and down, up and down. Um, but what, throughout, what do you put that down to, though? I don't know. I don't know. I know he, sometimes he has issues outside the ring. Sometimes yeah. fights have fallen through, which isn't his fault. Do you think it was the right move to move from um, uh, Frank Warren to Matram? Yeah, in terms of... Because of Eddie Hearn, Eddie Hearn has his, his own connections. He's going to have more opportunities. Right? Ah, that's true. Yep. That's but fun. yeah, it's just a shame because obviously the next two years are key for Billy Joe to make as much money as he can, but also to kind of cement his legacy because he's a brilliant fighter. I remember when he fought Andy Lee, he put on an excellent performance, you know? Mm. So yeah, I was quite disappointed that fight fell through for whatever reason. Um, I mean, Canelo is, he's kind of the money in boxing at the moment. So whoever gets that fight, they're going to be rubbing their hands. Yeah. Even if it's on a, slightly less scale at the moment because of lockdown and coronavirus and possibly no crowds or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe Well Callum I'd Smith say, would yeah, challenge, I'd right? say Callum Smith would be the biggest challenge at that weight for him at the moment if Billy Joe isn't fighting him. Um obviously Callum Smith didn't look great in his last fight against John Ryder. Mm. I, I mean, think I think I think that was so close that fight. Draw. I mean, if it went, if it was a draw, or if you go to Ryder for one round, I don't, I don't think you could argue personally. No, I agree with that. 
So I'd say Callum Smith is probably the most legitimate opponent for him at the moment. Um, as a fan, Chris Eubank Jr., I'd watch him <laughs> fight anyone. Yeah, yeah. Just because of his, you know, his demeanour. He's relentless. Yeah. Um, even even in even in his losses, they they're good fights. You know, the Billy Joe fight was close. Yeah. George Groves' performance was excellent against him, but he didn't stop trying. Mm. Um, so you know, Canelo versus Eubank Jr. will be fireworks, even before it starts. Even That's another starts, Yeah. That'll be. I mean, great. Eubank Jr. isn't like brash like his dad, mm. but he still he still knows how to calmly build a fight up well. If that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, that's a good point. So yeah, I'm, I'm biased being British, obviously. So Callum Smith or Eubank Jr., I would like to get that fight. Yeah, fair. I mean, one thing I'm intrigued by, though, I know Callum Smith, if you look at his size compared to other super middleweights, it's, it's obviously just based on his height. It's a lot bigger, right? And that seems to be an advantage in terms of reach and just, you know, whatever it may be, whatever there's, uh, that, that sort of brings about. But if we compare Kovalev and his size against Canelo and what he managed to do against Kovalev, what what sort of differences can you um, pull between the two, if that makes sense? Like Kovalev and Callum Smith against the Canelo. Well, well, given that happened, I think Callum Smith will be 100% focused and concentrating every second of every round, especially the later rounds. Mm. Because him and Joe Gallagher saw that happen to Kovalev, they'll be meticulous in making sure that doesn't happen to them. Yeah. Now that's not saying Kovalev wasn't concentrating. Of course he was. He was smashing. He, he was fighting. He was, he was doing really well. He was fighting brilliantly. Yeah. And if it had gone twelve, he would have won that fight. You know. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe obviously he is 36, 37, I don't mm. know. He had a he had a tough fight in terms of closeness with Yard. Yeah. And not not that it was close every round, but he was so close to getting stopped. It took a lot out of him. It, it took. Yeah. You you could see it took a lot out of him. And there wasn't and, that and much really, gap between them, was there? It wasn't that long a camp between the two. There wasn't, yeah, that's the other thing. There wasn't a huge camp between them. So I'm sure fatigue played a part in it at some stage. Even if he didn't feel tired, maybe his body slowed down a little bit. Mm. Because even before Yard, I think he had a couple of bad losses as well. Well, yeah, I think Alvarez might have knocked him out as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, th- I think with Callum Smith as well, he seems to be one of the fighters who we talked about earlier who thrives on the big stage. Which is probably maybe subconsciously he took his eye off the ball a little bit against Ryder. Yeah. Which is why it became close. Yeah. Because not many people thought it would be close. And that's not me knocking John Ryder. He fought the fight of his life. He smashed. And he proved that he can fight that level as well. Absolutely. But maybe against a Canelo, there'll be. Uh, there's no room for error. There, yeah, there's exactly. literally no room for error because yeah. you'll find the best. So. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure he'll know that as well. Like yeah, yeah, said. of course. Yeah. Of course he'll know that. Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. man, there's some. Quality fights to look forward to. I mean, that Canelo one's intriguing because we just don't know. It's kind of a, a situation with who he picks, isn't it? it? Might even be Golovkin three. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. You, know, you had two modern day classics that no one can argue with having a third. That's true. And I think if we're talking about that fight, those fights as well. well it goes I, back to the judging, remember? Yeah. We're talking about one of the judges had Canelo winning hugely in the first one, which shocking. Made my own opinion of those two fights. I think both um, cards were ridiculous for both fights. I think, personally, Golov- I think Golovkin won the second one easily easy more easier than the first but see i thought i thought the opposite yeah that's it that's everyone's got their own opinion that's the problem with judges because they're gonna have all their own opinion different opinions and stuff as well but it's um yeah it's it's not real science behind it how you can do it i mean we have these problems in in other sports in like football for example like we look at some of the var decisions oh, don't talk about they that. use a computer to help them gain 
a different point of view, a, a better point of view, but they still mess up because it's a human error at the end of the day. So, yeah, I don't know how you can bring, uh, you know, better judges into the sport of boxing. It's just... The only way I can think of it is if ex-fighters start doing it. Yeah. Um, because they understand 100% yeah. what the fighters have gone through to get to that point. So they're less likely to be biased or make mistakes, but also they know what they're watching. That's it. I think that's key. They know what they're I watching. I, I don't think there's any anything dodgy going on in a lot of the decisions. I think they're just poor. Yeah, yeah. But if an ex-fighter is doing it, they're not gonna. They're gonna make less poor decisions because they know what they're watching. Yeah, because I think the judges they don't see hundred percent of what a boxer is doing because they don't understand hundred percent what a boxer is doing. If that makes sense, like an ex, like a pro boxer, like you said, probably would. Yeah, it's an interesting one, man. But yeah, it's very difficult to see how that can change, like you said, unless you bring pro boxers into that um, sort of occupation. All right, let's move on to um, one of the final fights, which obviously it's not exactly been made or anything, but it's one of the most talked about fights in the last year or so. Um, AJ Fury, Fury AJ. Let's get your thoughts on that. Everyone's talking about it. They're, they're, they're talking about themselves. So let's get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, number one, it has to happen. It has to happen. It'll be a travesty if it doesn't. Um, biggest fight ever in Britain, probably. And even if it's not stated, biggest British fight ever. Mm -hmm. Well, what currently holds that mantle, in your opinion? I don't know. I'll have to think about that. All right, come back to us with that. But yeah, yeah it probably would essence, be. The it has to happen, you know. Yeah. AJ showed us. He he can adapt in the last fight mm -hmm. against Ruiz. Yeah. He also showed us that he can be stopped in the previous fight. Yeah. Fury showed us he can stop elite level fighters in his last fight. And he's also always shown he can adapt in his previous fights. True. And he's also always shown he's got a slightly vulnerable chin when it gets found out. But he's also always got up. No, absolutely. He's, yeah, he's never not gone up for it. But what I'm trying to say, that there's also that glimmer towards AJ thinking, if I land on the button, there's likelihood that I could, could get, knock him down. I think... I think... AJ will be the biggest puncher he's ever faced alongside with Klitschko. After Wilder, no? Yeah, sorry, after Wilder. Yeah. I was going off... Uh, I was going off before Wilder. Yeah, sorry. yeah, before Wilder. Yeah, yeah, AJ will be the biggest puncher that he's faced since uh, alongside Klitschko, except Wilder. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah. fact that he's then faced Wilder, Klitschko, and then AJ, mm. I don't think that would worry him. Yeah. Now the only thing I hope he wouldn't do is get complacent because he would he would say he fought Deontay twice and Deontay couldn't finish him, so AJ can't hurt him because. AJ's an excellent puncher and an excellent finisher, you know? Do you genuinely think he would even think that, though? I just don't see him thinking like that. I just the thing is, we're, 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 when we say think, I don't mean they think it, but subconsciously uh, something okay. will drop. I see what you mean, yeah. I don't think it would happen because he seems, in this kind of second part of his career, he seems so motivated, yeah. so focused, so on it. I don't think, personally, I don't think anyone can stop him at the moment. Mm -hmm. The way he destroyed Deontay Wilder was jaw-dropping 
Mm. You know, yeah, yeah. No Absolutely. one's even been close to doing that to Wilder, and he did it, and he made it look easy. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but he made it. No, absolutely, it's a masterclass, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, I, I, there's 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 aspects of both fighters which you can make a favor for, but I would favor Fury. Yeah, to win that fight, um, just because he's shown plenty of times when the odds are against him, he's got enough to adapt yeah and overcome the challenge because mm. people forget people forget how much of an underdog he was before klitschko yeah people forget that now you know everyone remembers the aj klitschko fight because it was a kind of classic fight yeah and aj did an incredible job for someone who was so inexperienced in terms of klitschko's experience mm -hmm. um but let's not forget that fury on his way up as well, he fought an excellent level of competition each step. Mm. You know, I'm sure we fought. I think it was Martin Rogan, um, McDermott, Tajora, Cunningham. Cunningham. He, he fought a lot of good fighters, and then he signed to fight David Hay, which didn't happen. A lot of people said that would have been too soon. So obviously, that would have been an interesting one. Fought Chisora a couple of times. Fought well. twice. Beat him. Beat him time. twice. Yeah. Um, so Fury, Fury's had a really good. Um, Fury's had another really good resume as well. That made this brings me to my next question. AJ was kind of thrown into the A-list because of the fact that the terrain at the time was Charles Martin as a champion. Yeah. But, again, he he overcame it. He beat Klitschko, who I know he was 41, but he looked sensational in that fight, Klitschko. But he could have won easily. He, he looked brilliant. I mean, he could have won, he, right? He boxed so beautifully until he, got, until he got stopped, you know? Yeah. So AJ deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, I just think that... I just, I just can't see anyone stopping Fury at the moment. Yeah, personally, and that's good. That's interesting. Well, okay, well, we're talking about resumes, so I'll just move the the poll slightly. Comparing the resumes of uh, Tyson Fury, Dillian White, and AJ, who has the best resume then, in your opinion? I mean, it's it's Tyson Fury as a fact, in my opinion, mm -hmm. because he's fought Klitschko and Wilder. Yeah, and then AJ second because he's fought Klitschko, and at the time, Povetkin was a top-level fighter. Yeah. And he's beaten Dillian. Yeah. So you've got to put the D Dillian third. Exactly. But what I meant as Dillian as a contender and hard fight after hard fight, if you look at Dillian's last batch of fights, he's fought, he's, his, um, you know, his resume is better than anyone's in terms of that period. All of them are sort of well-known boxers, right? Yeah. They're not like people under the radar or journeyman or anything like that. Not saying the others were. It's different. But... When you're a champion, it's very difficult to fight. Now, especially nowadays, when you're a champion, it's very difficult to fight people who are classed as journeymen and get away with it, especially as a heavyweight. Yeah, that's true. So you can't. It's not a fair comparison. That's true. That, I mean, that elevates Dillian even higher, then, right? Yeah, if you, yeah that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If, you, if you if you compare the contenders, Dillian's head and shoulders above anyone. Mm. You know, because if you're a champion, and nowadays the champions, the big champions, fight what twice a year, they need a full build up. There's pay per view. Yeah, you can't get away with fighting just anyone. It's true. Yeah. The money's not there, is it? AJ did a couple of times, I suppose. I mean, I can't remember what they paid for you. The Molina fight and Brazil and that. Yeah, there must be. Because he was champion at the time, right? Yeah, they would. I think every AJ fight since he's been... But that's because it's AJ. He's yeah. the star. Well, he's, he's the face of match. Exactly. For, like, the the face, well, he's the face of British boxing for a, lot of, for a long time before, um, before Fury came back, you know? That's true. That is true. No, it's, it's a really interesting um, uh, fight that we... Maybe. Who do you think we're good? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think 
personally, I've seen too many vulnerabilities in AJ. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about in the Ruiz. I'm talking about all the way back to Dillian through Klitschko and even Povetkin. Well, I've just seen too many vulnerabilities with his defense where I think uh, Fury has the upper hand. And I think, obviously, we know Fury is the better boxer in the traditional sense, right? But AJ has is that sort of physical specimen. Like you said, he went toe-toe with Klitschko, who's a, who was the last physical specimen we saw in in a top heavyweight rank. So uh, anything could happen. But, yeah, at this moment, current moment in time, I, I, yeah, I would have to say Fury, especially what he's done to Wilder over the two fights where he arguably, well, not arguably, he, he won one and drew one, but arguably won both. But, um, yeah, I would say Fury. Oh, that's where my uh, money would be for him. So the next thing, just before we move on, don't you think it's a shame that AJ Wilder didn't fight when they were both undefeated? Yeah, that w- that would have been a big big fight. But I also think now it's just not even in terms of a big fight, just intriguing to see who would have won. Well, it would be intriguing, but I also think it's just as intriguing now because now they both have a, a one against their name, so yeah, they're true. still equal. Do you know what I mean they may they may have had it from different level of position, but they still have a one next to their name. So I, I get it. The money probably is not going to be as big. But in, if you're a pure boxing fan, which a lot of people are, like yourself, I'm still intrigued to see that fight. Definitely, I would love to see that fight today because I still can't pick between them. I, I still, I, I mean, I can see pros and cons for both of them, but I would say that's a tough one to call than a Fury Joshua, in my opinion. Mm, that's a, yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, so sorry, like I was saying, I, I want to get your quick thoughts on um, a Fury Dillian because that's also another thing that could be in the pipeline next year, and obviously Dillian's causing a lot of waves because he has got that mandatory position. Uh, quote unquote booked in for next February and uh, yeah what's your thoughts on that would that be a harder fight for Fury or an easy one no it would be easy I mean Dillian would be anyone problems and like I said earlier he's in my opinion the most improved fighter in boxing Mm -hmm. since he lost to AJ so when was that a few years ago right yeah so he's improved so much but I have to stick with what I just said that I can't see anyone beating Tyson Fury at the moment he Mm -hmm. just seems to be so zoned in on achieving what he has to achieve. I can't see anyone anyone beating him. Um, it wouldn't be easy. Uh, I think that would go 12 rounds personally. Uh, I, I don't know if he would stop Dillian. Yeah. And Could you see Dillian stopping him in the way that you could see an AJ and a Wilder stopping him? Like, not that they ever did or they might not do, but I'd, you can see that. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't, to be honest with you. I just think his defence and his movement and his savviness in the ring it's too much. Yeah. It's just too much. I, yeah, no, I can't. I can't. No, fair play. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting lineups got planned. So let's hope all these promoters get made. Do you know what I mean? We want to see these all, all these fights. All right, mate. Uh, we've kept you long enough. I've got a couple of quick questions before you leave. Um, one thing I'm intrigued by, because I know you're, um, you're a, a student of boxing in terms of knowledge, right? You do uh, uh, know your shit compared to maybe the rest of us uh, armchair fans. I don't know about that. But <laughs> well, compared to us armchair fans, you know a lot more. So I'm going to ask you your opinions on the best matchups that never happened. Um, let's just talk about maybe the last 50 years. Let's not go too far back in history because I don't even know some of the people you're saying. But the best matchups in history over the last yeah few decades. Um, that didn't happen. Yeah, that didn't happen. So the one that springs to mind would be Lennox Lewis versus Riddick Bowe. If that if that would have happened, that would have been a sensational fight. I know they fought in the amateurs and uh, Lennox beat him. But I think as pros with Riddick Bowe 
on it, it would have been a great fight. Mm. It's a shame that didn't happen. Um, well, how do you, would you see that going? I would favour Lennox Lewis, um, just because I know Bo had his ups and downs. Fair, yeah. And Lennox Lewis was pretty meticulous in his training throughout his career. Absolutely. Even when he lost, he then beat, beat them again in the rematch. Mm. So, yeah, Lennox Lewis, Riddick Bo would be the one that stands out. The the one from a fan's perspective, which I can't see happening, and even if it does happen, it won't have the same buzz, would be Khan versus Brook. <laughs> yeah, we were going to talk about that. Yeah, I think, I think both of them, when they were in their primes, mm. it would have been a brilliant fight and a brilliant build-up. Yeah. And it's a shame that it didn't happen, you know? The other one, which I would have liked to see, but I don't know when, because they both had kind of an Indian summer to their careers mm. in terms of peaked a bit later, so it would have been difficult to match them up at the right time, would be Kalzagi versus Froch. Oh, yeah. Because Froch, he reminds me of Dillian White in terms of his resume. He just had tough fight after tough fight after tough fight. Yeah. You know, and he lost the ward, but when he lost to Kessler, he then beat him. So he was another relentless one. Joe Kawasaki is one of the best fighters in history, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And even he didn't get his accolades until his mid-30s. And they just kind of missed the cusp of touching each other, you know? Yeah. Uh, you understand at the time why that didn't happen, because in Kawasaki's eyes, it was a step down, purely because Froch hadn't proven himself. Yeah. But the fact that Froch, Froch went on to prove himself, yeah, it would have been a great fight at some point. Is that not a similar situation to when Froch fought Groves, though? But they fought... They did, yeah, but in terms of the levels and the, the moments in their career. Possibly. Um, but the fact, yeah. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's an interesting one. I don't know. I don't know. It's difficult. Because Joe Kazagi, he's not forgotten, but people, unless you're, unless you're a big fan or you're inside boxing, a lot of the casuals, they won't remember how good he was. Yeah. Like, he beat everyone. Mm-hmm. They've done a lot of it abroad as well, right? Um, the big fights he fought abroad. Mm. I know people will say he didn't fight anyone, etc. But he fought a lot of ex-world champions. Yeah. It's not his fault that they weren't stars at the time. Mm. you know. And then he went on to beat Hopkins, who then went on to have another career after he lost to Calzaghi and beat everyone. That's true. So, yeah, that is you true. Know, he, beat, he beat Roy Jones, who, yeah, wasn't the Roy Jones of old, but he was still a legitimate Roy Jones mm. at the time. Um, people forget, like I mentioned earlier, Jeff Lacey, everyone in boxing had him as the next Mike Tyson when he was on Serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big left hook, a mouthy guy from America with Don King behind him. People forget that. Yeah. And he schooled him. Uh, Kessler, he fought Kessler when he was undefeated and he beat him. Mm. Um, and the fact that he had the consistency to go all those fights undefeated, you know, it it, it speaks volumes. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be another fight. I just don't know when that could happen because if it happened too early, then it's, um, it's not really Froch at his best. No, if it true. happened too late, it's not Calzaghi at his best. So yeah, I get what you're saying. They, they just weren't aligned at the right times, right? Yeah, that's an interesting one, man. And then the other one would be, I mean, it's not fair because it did happen, but Floyd Pacquiao. <laughs> at the wrong time? Is yeah, that what I mean, it, it, if it happened after... If it happened around the time where Floyd for Marquez, I think it was, mm -hmm. it would have been interesting. When Pacquiao had that run when he beat Diaz 
He beat De La Hoya. He beat Hatton. He beat Cotto. He yeah. beat Margarito. Margarita. He beat Clotty. He beat all these top, top fighters in a row. He beat Margarita. Was Margarita cheating at the time? Or was that a different probably. era? No, he probably, probably was. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but probably was. But he, he fucked his head up. <laughs> Do you remember his face? Margarita was after the Pacquiao fight. It's horrible. It was horrible. nuts yeah. to see, man. If it happened around that time, I think the fight would have been a lot more interesting. I still think Floyd would have won. Yeah. But it would have been interesting, you know? It would have been closer, is that what you're saying? I don't even know if it would have been closer. It just uh, would have been more interesting. Mm. You know? Because Pacquiao had lost a couple of times by the time they'd fought since since that period. Yeah. Um he said he's got he had some injuries as well. Yeah. But then you look at Pacquiao now. That's what I was gonna say. You're talking about he's, second career, third career. Yeah, exactly. He's going on to beat all these ex champions. He's beat Thurman, he's beaten Broner. Yeah. Um, I think he beat Bradley in he the beat second an Australian guy, someone. Is that right? Well he lost to Jeff Jeff Hall. Oh he lost them. Okay. Didn't well, he? I don't know if that, that was contentious as well. Okay, yeah, fair. Did you say Bradley or was that a lot before, well before? Yeah, but then he beat him again. He beat him in the rematch. Yeah. yeah. No, fair play. Yeah, mate, these kind of fighters, uh, they're legends. They're yeah. they're legends. Absolutely. All right. Um, let, well, let's end it with, I guess, the question which most people talk about now. Um, I want to hear your maybe top three pound for pound uh, fighters currently on the circuit. Maybe give some reasons around why and maybe who's missed out closely. In order, or it doesn't matter. Um, it's up to you. Okay, well, you have to put Canelo there, just because of what he's achieved at so many different weights. Mm-hmm. And then beating Kovalev was kind of the icing on the cake. You know, yeah. so much bigger than him. Yeah, that's true. Canelo would be there. Um, the other one that would be there for me definitely would be Terence Crawford. Yeah, he Good is job. an exceptional fighter. And I just, as a fan, I hope he goes on to get the big fights that he deserves. Mm. He's been in a lot of big fights already, but, you know, unification fights and things like that. Yeah. Because he's, he's something special. He's something that comes comes around once every 15, 20 years, max. Mm. You know? He doesn't have the flashiness in terms of personality like a Floyd, but I put him on that level yeah. of ability. Oh, wow. That's big. Um, but then on the flip side, Floyd talking about career after career he 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 beat a level fighters of two different generations i'd say yeah maybe three that's a good point you know yeah so it depends how long terence Crawford fights but i think he's exceptional so he's definitely there mm. and the third one has to be lomachenko mm. has to be lomachenko yeah, yeah i don't think there's any arguments with that no, that's, that's a good thing. And that's not in order. Just those yeah, yeah. three. I don't know. I don't sure. know what you put, but... Well, n- name some of the ones who just closely missed out. So if you're going to a 10, top 10 or something. Not not saying name 10, but just who are some of the close ones who could could be there, you know, in a few years or a few months, whatever, if they wanted to. Or... Usyk, if he wins a, if he, if he wins a heavyweight title, mm. I think he, would be, he should be there. Mm-hmm. What about Fury? Yeah, I mean, you could put Tyson Fury there. It's all, it's always a bit difficult when it's just a heavyweight, you know. Yeah. The other fighters, but, but it, it, this whole pound for pound thing is mythical anyway. So you could put Fury there. Yeah. Um, is that Japanese? Is it Japanese? Inoue or something? Inoue. He, yeah, he's another one. He's a monster. Mm. Inoue. I'm trying to think of. Um, yeah. There was someone in the lightweight. So I was going to mention, but I forgot the name. Mm. But yeah, I think that's sufficient. I think Inoue and Usyk, I'd put up there. Yeah. 
You know, but Errol Spence would be there as well. I, I know he had his accent, so we'll see how he comes out of that. Yeah, hopefully he's he's fine. And um, I think I would I would like to see Errol Spence okay. TC. I mean, that would be a great fight. I, mean, I think I agree with you when you say TC is a level above a lot of fighters. It's but just, I think it'll be a really good just, fight. When you watch him fight, you struggle to find flaws. Mm. And even though he's been down, he still dominates so many of his fights against top level fighters. You know. Yeah. Um, I. But if you look at Lomachenko, if you look at his first few fights, I know he was got thrown into the deep end by choice. But I don't, I don't think you need to be an undefeated fighter or not been on the canvas to be one of the greatest. No, you can't right. because well, look at Pacquiao. He was number one or number two for some for so long, and he lost a lot of his early. Well, not a lot. He lost a couple of early yeah. fights. You know? No, that's true. It's it's interesting, mate. You know, I I know I said that was the last question, but I got another one which just popped into my head, and I want to know your thoughts on it. Um, then. <laughs> we talked about uh, so I just asked you top three pound for pound um, currently in the circuit worldwide if we narrow it down to the UK British fighters I want you to give me the top three if you can best three British fighters yeah best three British fighters yeah any division currently in the circuit Fury mm-hmm. AJ um, and then a lot of good British fighters, aren't there? There's, there's a lot of good <laughs> ones, man. Caleb Smith, Billy Joe, one of those two would be in there if it's a top three. I yeah. think. Taylor. Josh Both Taylor. Taylor. Oh, Both Taylors. <laughs> British. Yeah. British and Irish. Oh, sorry. Yeah, not Kate Taylor. Yeah, that's, that's if it's British and Irish, then definitely. See, it's hard. No, you're right. British, I meant Josh Taylor. But yeah. Josh Taylor, I totally forgot. So he was the one I was thinking about, Pound for Pound. Oh, okay. He unified that division, didn't he? Yeah. yeah so now him, it would be interesting to see what he goes on to achieve now with Ben, mm. ben Davison. But Josh Taylor, you'd have to put in there as well. Um, I mean, British boxing flying, man. It's been flying for for a while. It's been flying since... I'd say it's been flying since Frotch because that was probably the period where Kel Brook was at its peak. You had Amir Khan tearing things up in America, mm. fighting, you know, Peterson and Garcia. I know he lost, but still in big fights. And yeah. um, what's his name? Devin Alexander. Maidana was a bit before that. Mm. Uh, and then obviously, sorry, if we go back to now, you've got Anthony Yard, Joshua Buatzi. Oh, yeah, Buatzi. Mate, there's a lot. There's a lot of good fighters, you know. And then even before that, uh, not now, but before that, we had Frampton and um, Quig. Carl Frampton's, Carl Frampton's, I think, I think Carl Frampton will win another world title. You reckon? I think so. Mm. I think he's had such bad luck with his, his, um, the freak injury in the last fight and you know I, I think I think I think something will come around in this lockdown because there, there was talks of him getting a fight against Jared Hurt or something mm. and I just think if he does get an opportunity one more time I think he would win that Fair. it's like a, it's like a do or die situation you know? no, absolutely. Josh Warrington is another excellent fighter yeah you know Who's that guy who fought? Was it what's his name? Kid Galahad. Kid Galahad. That was he's a sick another, he's fight. another very skilled fighter. I th- I think that was a close fight. I think he's, he's slightly unlucky. Fighter. I he's think it was closer. I think he was unlucky. Um, I wouldn't say it was a robbery. I'm just no saying way, it was no, very, no. very, very. Close. I think he was unlucky. It was very, very close. Yeah. Um, and it, it was interesting as well because Josh Warrington versus Galahad was closer than Warrington versus Selby or Warrington versus Frampton. Mm. So that shows how good Galahad potentially is or could be. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, he's another good fighter. Mm. It goes back to you saying if you've lost a fight, it doesn't mean, it make, mean it's the end of the world, you know? No, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people have made him stronger. Right? Britain is just so rich with talent at the moment. What's the other fight coming up that we were talking about? That's a brilliant fight. 
um, Cheeseman Eggington. Oh, yeah, Cheeseman Eggington. That's going to be a fantastic I'm, I'm intrigued fight. by that fight. Yeah. That's going to be quality. I mean, I think Ted Cheeseman is, was unlucky in his last fight as well yeah. against um, Fitzgerald. Uh, but this is this is what I mean. Like, there's no crowd. He's doing it at his Brent um, headquarters, Eddie Hearn. Yeah. He's still putting on this level of fight. It's, it's admirable, right? Mm. And it's people like us who are going to be excited to watch that. It goes back to what we said earlier about innovation, not innovation, just social, exactly. social media. And you know what? These fighters as well who are putting themselves out there to fight for us, they deserve a massive... They cruise. do. They no, they absolutely do. But also remember, they need it for their payday, right? They do. They, no, they're they, not need to, they do need to make a living. Yeah. Yeah. But... There's plenty of. I mean, I've heard. I've heard things or read things where plenty of fighters are saying, you know, they're not. They're not going to fight if that's they're going to get the same amount of money. Or oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's what I meant. More. They're taking a pay cut just to get. They're taking a pay know, cut, like yeah. you said, to to provide for their families. So and also provide a show for us. So you know, there was another one. There was another one which I've forgotten. Jordan Gill versus was it Reese Bellotti? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a fight I'm looking forward to. That's as well. a quality one. That's a good yeah. one. So there's still. I mean, next next month is going to be. Uh, a good month for fights just domestically, you know? Yeah. And then we've got the pay-per-view to look forward to. And then hopefully some more pay-per-views after that. Yeah. And yeah. Let's just hope it continues and there's no more lockdowns or anything like that to yeah. mess it up. Absolutely. All right, Shane, um, we've taken up enough of your time. Um, thanks so much for your comments, opinions and thoughts. It's been really insightful for us uh, boxing armchair fans. But yeah, any last thoughts before you leave? No, thank you for having me. It was a good chat. Anytime, anytime. We'll hopefully speak to you again soon when uh, more fights have happened. We can get some more feedback on that. All right, mate. Take it easy. People, stay safe. Bye-bye.